0: This week's episode of the Screenwriters Rant Room is brought to you by avgearguy.com. If you have any photos or documents that you need to scan or videotapes or audio tapes or film rules that you need to import into your computer, check out avgearguy.com. If you mention the name of this podcast, when you order, you'll get 5% off and a portion of your order will go to help support the rant room. All these formats degrade over time and are sitting ducks in the case of fire or theft. Why not convert it all to digital? All of your memories could be stored safely on the cloud or on a hard drive that fits in your pocket. AVgearguy.com has over 30 years of experience with all kinds of media, digital and analog, and they can accept orders from anywhere in the United States. Don't forget to mention their screenwriter's rant room and get 5% off your order. For more details, visit their website at avgearguy.com.
1: I'ma say what I feel and I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Rank Row. Wanna be a rider? Well, you gotta be a rider. till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, they miss the bull of kaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more no game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screen. Writing is exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want.
2: Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. We keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, y'all? It is is what what it it is. Yeah! On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Yes, we still have the Rona going on. We're still on Skype for the sound, you know. Child, yeah. What's up, everybody? Lisa, Lisa, cold
3: jam. Hey, oh, so y- I- did y'all survive all the fireworks last night? Oh, my poor dogs! I swear to God, I want to go fight every single buddy. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I thought it was done by midnight, I was like, there was a respite, and then mm-hmm. I was like, I think. I think we made it through. It's only been a few hours. This might be a good... And then it started back up again. And then it was That's just like...
2: Funny. Uh, you guys remember, you know, we're all kids of the 70s, pretty much. You remember that um, when we were kids, it was a... So I'm sensitive to an extent because I want kids to have whatever experience they need. But I think that when you get older, <laughs> like past 40, your, your attention span is not quite the same. I'm not sure... But I wonder if here's the thing that I kept thinking because like we would go out and you know you go like to the outskirts of town and you'd buy those fireworks on the side of the road back in the day you know mm-hmm. the little stands and you load up on fireworks with like bricks of firecrackers do you think would last you all night it last you about twenty minutes <laughs> you yeah. know yeah I mean? yeah what how many do they have that is going this long usually remember. The, as soon as it got dark, you hear firecrackers for like 20, maybe 30 minutes, and then it would just be almost gone. Now yeah. it goes until midnight. I'm like how like, who has that meaning? <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Uh, like,
0: I, I, mean, uh, I mean, apparently there was some story that I read that they had, you know, curtailed a bunch of these firework exhibits,
1: uh-huh. so
0: there was like a black market for right. all this stuff, and I uh-huh. feel like, you know, like if it, um... You know, I think that they buy extras, and they probably, they probably. I mean, if a a, a, like a real show is gonna be doing like sixty to eighty percent of what they buy, Mm -hmm. but they have that extra, you know, they have that other like forty to uh, twenty to forty percent that just they maybe just not use. But Mm -hmm. but 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 the whole kit is being sold to these people on the streets. They just like just letting them off, be letting them off, you know.
3: I saw the one video that went on a timeline that just showed all across LA all the fireworks that were going off. And they kept saying it looked like Blade Runner. And mm-hmm. it was so ridiculous. And I was just like, and I'm not even a big fan of fireworks. Even when I was a little kid, we would go out to, and you know, people know I'm from San Diego. And when I was a kid, we'd go out either to the certain park that overlooked the back of like SeaWorld. Or you would go like bubble park or play, you know, beaches and stuff like that. Or you can go on the bay. They always have the bay one. And it was like, I would get so bored so quickly. Like I would be like five minutes and I'm done and I don't want any more. But the greatest, and someone put on the timeline and I retweeted it last night, but the greatest moment in the history of San Diego fireworks was 2012 when they accidentally set on fire the entire <laughs> load of firecrackers. And 2012 was the year I was at clearing at UCSD, so, and I don't even celebrate the 4th of July anyway, but I happened to be out on the balcony, and, you know, UCSD, you know, you're right over there by La Jolla Shores, and it's, you know, pretty much anything that's going up and down the shore, you can hear it or see it's not a big whoop. But when that went down, I must have laughed so hard, and when the videos came out, I must have replayed that, oh, I said, this is the best firework display Ever. And it was right on the bay, and, like, everything exploded. It looked like this big, giant tsunami of, like, lights. People probably thought they were going to die. It was, like, the best thing ever. <laughs> but, but the problem with it is, is that, well, especially where I live, because where I live, I'm, like, literally, like, five minutes from the border of TJ, so... Mm-hmm. So not only do we have to do our fireworks and stuff, and plus we have access to a lot of illegal fireworks from across the border too, like those big, you know, those big giant things. But we also have people, and this is an American thing too, where people like to shoot their guns off too what in celebratory that? fashion, and it's just like I don't, I don't get I remember it. But
2: all the gangbangers used to come out and just butta that, that into the yeah, air. I'm like, yeah. really? Do we really? has got to land we- somewhere. It's got to land. Somewhere, yeah. and it,
3: hopefully it's not me. But I felt so sorry for people who had pets because mm-hmm. the trauma is just—it's horrible. And I feel bad for my neighbors over here who are in the military, who ex-military, who may have PTSD and stuff. And it's like no one cares; they don't care. Yeah. It, oh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah if, It's if gonna it be all care. night. Yeah, all night, yeah. all day. Yeah, it'll cure it all. So
2: it'll cure it all. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, no. I mean, it's, a, it's a trip. Um, so, how you guys been doing? You've been doing good. I was telling Chris uh, before we got on the call. You know, Pamela and I are working on a couple of pitches. We've been having a lot of really good meetings, and you know, it's something I always tell everybody. You know, Chris, you know, Lucy, you know, you go on a meeting, you got to walk out with 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 a pitch of something that they want to do. Like it, it's a key. You know, that's how you stay in 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 business with them. Even if you don't end up landing the job, you know, you get the pitch and they. You know there might be elements of it that they like that even if you don't get it, you know they always like the door is open for you, you right. know what i mean as opposed to you just having some simple meeting like right. I, I've had probably thirty meetings since this whole thing has gone on, and probably half of them I have to write pictures for mm-hmm. you know what I mean? mm-hmm. so that's that's uh, to me those odds are very good i'm 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 rolling fifty and 50. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Oh, that's, no,
0: that's, that's good. I mean, I mean, that's definitely good. You know, I mean, it's, it's it's yeah, you're right. That's the thing that the one thing you can control, and it should be your aim of every pitch meeting, is to get invited back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because that's, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that's what it is. You know, I'm, I mean, look, like, I got a couple of meetings that are lined up for this week coming up. I had, like, I had one last week. Um... You know, it's because I'm, I'm I'm working on something. I'm working on two things. And uh, I was talking with the woman who was the showrunner for um, Altered Carbon.
1: Mm-hmm. And she wrote,
0: like, uh, that movie Alexander. And she wrote Sugar Island. Because, like, cause I, you know, I'm working on this kind of big, this big sci-fi thing. And I was kind of like, how did you shape uh, Altered Carbon to get it on the air? Because it's... You know, there's three books. It's complicated, and you kind of like woven a bunch of stuff from the three books like into that first season. And you know, and I mean, it was, it was interesting just talking to her about like things to think about when you're doing like a pitch of something. that has got, this got like this, like a big world, you know. Right. Um, so, so that was cool. I got like a short, some, I don't know, sort of meetings up. You know, it's 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 been up and down for me. You know, uh, the last couple months but to me but like i told you, you you know before you know the main goal that i have is i is that i'm trying to get my this one movie done and then start and i've been getting that done and then i've been you know like talking with the with the money people um mm-hmm. because like to me like that has to be my i mean that's my main goal the rest of the stuff is just like you know is all gravy for me mm-hmm. um but yeah you know so
2: Sure. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, like you said, it's, it's been fascinating, you know, just in this world. You know, I mean, I haven't slowed down like I said I was going to. You know, even though I went to Phoenix last week to see my parents, I still, you know, was working every day. Um, I did take the time, you know, to sit with them, though, which, which was much needed. You know, it was really cool because one of my friends called me on Saturday to tell me that his mother had passed away. So I was really thankful that I was sitting right there in front of my parents, you mm-hmm. know. Learned, and Lisa, you know this. Ever since my brother died, um, that I always go with my instinct now. Like, something was burning in me that I needed to go now. Mm-hmm. You know? and mm-hmm. it reminds me of like I needed to. I kept saying I was going to call my brother for three days before you know he passed, and mm-hmm. I never. So I have mm-hmm. so much regret about that. So mm-hmm. now, anytime I feel something, I immediately just try to do it. Right. You know? Anyway So cool So um, if you guys are grown let's go ahead and get into the show So today um, We're going to talk about um, Back on June 12th Myself, Michelle Amore And Bianca Sands put out a letter To Hollywood called Dear Hollywood Um, And It was a statement Put out um, And it came from Well, I'll I'll let you ask me questions Lisa I don't want to run it but I would rather you have run it so it all makes more sense in that way. Is that okay. close? Cool? Okay, so, basically,
3: Sorry. so basically... So basically, Hilliard and, and, and his fellow writers at the Writers Guild, Black Writers, basically put Hollywood on notice. <laughs> uh, they wrote it in black and white and basically hmm. called Hollywood to be accountable. And the, the thing, uh, if you get a chance to, like I said, take some time to read the letter, because one of the things that... Yeah, show notes.
0: Yeah. yeah. One, of the things,
3: one of the things I thought was so poignant is that it's so important and I know um, a lot of writers have been talking about it on, on black writers in particular on Twitter in terms of you know it's not so much that we can't get in the door that we're not telling enough we, a lot of us know what we're doing we just need that shot mm-hmm. the key is retention yeah. and we talked about this last week and, and the idea of you know you don't have to like baby us you know, a lot of us have a lot of experience. We just need to get the room and do the work and and, and stop hindering us Mm -hmm. and stop pigeonholing us and stop using us as the diversity hire and realize that we can write things that have white people in them Mm -hmm. and you know, that kind of stuff. But what I also like is that you guys in the letter gave it a very historic uh, foundation, especially when you mentioned birth of a nation because yeah. one of the things that in cinema that people wax nostalgic over, and they they jerk off over it, and they talk about it all the time, and they talk about how Birth of the Nation, which was one of the first films that was ever shown in the White House, it's yeah. it's it, it has been lauded um, as one of the greatest movies of all time. By the way, of all time, not only in well, terms of like story, but also in terms right. of just technical. Now, I will give it technical. Uh, Shifts because it did shift the landscape in terms of plotting and moving story forward and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But at the same time, it also cemented um, the dangers of Hollywood and the danger of not having um, different voices able to tell stories, too. Because it did a lot of damaging work mm-hmm. in terms of stereotypes, cliches racist imagery. I mean, this is like the KKK was using this as their their recruiting tool when they were showing it. All clan, every day. And it's the type of stuff that It does in terms of the content we put out. I can't even tell you how many people I've met over the years. Um, when I used to work at the Pyramid bookstore down in San Diego, and we had a really strong Pan-African contingency there, and so I met a lot of people from different parts of Africa, and in particular West Africa. And, um, you know, when I talked to a lot of these brothers and sisters from there and they come over here to the continent and they have like, you know, I, I think on both sides we have these misconceptions about what we are as people of the African diaspora, but a lot of their, their ideas of what black Americans wore, a lot of it comes from what they see on TV and in the films, and a lot of that stuff is just straight up crap. So when, when your only contact with black Americans in particular is what you see on TV and film, and you come up with the film industry that has started that one of the best films that they lot is the best in cinema history, ranks up there in the top, 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 it's the most racist piece of shit.
4: <laughs>
3: we have a problem. And it's so indicative of what America is. It can be the best of everything when it puts its mind to it. But at the same time, it's a piece of shit. Well, so,
0: so, okay, so, so, so there's two two things I got to say on this. I mean, I, I think the thing that's crazy is that you mentioned, oh, these are this like the stereotypes and the cliches that that movie set about. I don't even think at the time those things like were stereotypes or cliches. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that I mean, look, that's that what movie, they believed. I, I, yeah, yeah, but, but uh, that movie laid the groundwork for everybody to hate Black people, particularly, um, particularly American Blacks, around the globe. Because, yeah. yes, you meet these, uh, these Nigerians. Like, there's no one who, who, who I've met who hates American Blacks more than Nigerians. And, I'm, 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 I mean... Naja I, fans? I mean, I, I,
3: Calm down. Nation, right. calm down.
2: <laughs> Listen. But Chris, I have heard a few, and I'm not stereotyping all of them. I've heard a few Nigerian people say, I'm not black, I'm Nigerian.
3: Yeah,
0: so, well, but, but no, here's no, no. I'm
3: no, 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 no,
0: no, 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 no. jumping after Go ahead. Like if you hear the way, if you hear the vitriol in their voice <laughs> the, 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 like like when they say you black American it's like I mean it's the worst thing and it's like, you know, the the, the, the the thing, look, the, the thing that I think was great about the letter that, is that
3: didn't sound Nigerian. That sounded South African. <laughs> well, yeah.
0: So, what well, well, sounded well, like
3: well, Afrikaans well, to me.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. But, but here's, here's the thing: I'm not trying to learn the damn Nigerian English accent. I ain't got time for that shit. But, the, but, but the thing is this, though, right? I think that you know, you point out that it made like 1.8 billion dollars. Now, that, that 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 means. That it's one of the high. That if it came out now, then like it would have been like one of the most like highest-grossing films ever, and you know it's up there like you know with like Titanic and Endgame, mm-hmm. and uh, it's on that level, and I feel like that's the thing that it, see. There's it, the thing that's interesting about this movie, right? It came out in 1915. There's a really really fucking dope ass uh, series I saw on PBS like 25 years ago. You can find it on. YouTube now, it's called Cinema Europe. And it kind of looks at how, you know, because cinema and film is actually like a European thing. Like, the, you know, mm-hmm. like, like the, 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 um, the Lumiere brothers the, like, were the first ones to do this and stuff like this. What happened and, and actually they had a more thriving industry like in Europe beforehand. And what happened is, is that they got fucked by World War I and 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 that allowed for for, for, for Hollywood to, to take over because people still one of those movies and there's no more coming out of Europe and it was like, oh so the Klansman like gets its fucking you, you know, like debut and shit like that. I mean look and and people and they teach it in film school and it's a crime because they teach it in film school because it's like saying if you look at movies before that like the like the like the visual grammar that we know about, like rever- shot reverse shot, cl- close-ups, everything like that, had not been done before, and mm-hmm. it's done in that movie for the first time. But my thing is, there's other movies that are around that time period that 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 that, that did that just afterwards. And you know what? You can show us that instead if you if, if if you're gonna show us like a teaching tool. But it's it's almost used like a teaching tool that it's got two purposes. It's got one to say. Hey, you black people are, 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 you know, are fucking terrible still. And B, oh, look at how the technique is. And it's kind of like that's that's just a, it's just a bad teaching tool to use. You yeah. know, this is terrible.
3: Have, I, and people who teach film and cinema really have to preface what that film is about, and many do not. Um, I mentioned this on Twitter a month ago, I believe, where I talked about when I was going to when I went to uh, SDSU, um, my minor. My, my major was social sciences, but my minor was Native American studies and and also black studies. But my emphasis really was Native American studies. And I remember I was taking a bunch of film classes and one of my film classes was Native Americans in film. Another class I took that had nothing to do with cinema, but had everything to do with cinema, uh, was a civil war class that I took. I took a whole semester. It's one of the best classes I ever took in my life because my professor, um, Professor Cheeks, he started us off in Africa. Imagine taking a Civil War class, hmm. and you start it all the way in West Africa during the slave trade. <laughs> hmm. And he brought it all the way over, but before you know, he showed us Birth of the Nation, one of the things he did was he had us have dinner at his house, and he invited everyone in the class to come. So there was like maybe 25 of us in his house, right there off of college Avenue down the street from San Diego state university he made us a fantastic dinner. And then before we even sat to watch the film, he took like 40 minutes to give us the backstory and history of birth of a nation wow. before he showed it to us. Is this guy right about- He's white. And he was from the South. This is a white man, white Southern white man whose family had a black maid in his house. And he's always joked that, you know, he was a small, small D Democrat. And, you know, he grew up with these racist people. He had to unlearn racism himself. And then after we watched the film, we had a debriefing afterwards. And so that whole situation, being young and having that whole situation, it shaped in terms of how... um, how media, especially those people who are in media studies or doing film and things like that, the impact that visual has, as opposed to like the written word, because people do read globally, but one of the fastest ways that people can learn about other cultures and the way that people find a lot of satisfaction or entertainment is through the visual arts. And American films and in particular Hollywood films have dominated global cinema for so long and has shaped a lot of the the filmic language that we use, that it is really hard for people to separate fact from fiction. And what has happened too is a lot of black filmmakers, we also fall into a lot of those bad film things. I mean, I'm trying to think of all the films that were coming out like in the early 80s and 90s, like kind of after the whole Spike Lee, she's got to have it, indie Cinema Wave, where black people were, you know, it seemed like Hollywood and anybody was trying, any black person that had something that was blackly black, just throw it up there. Like we used to joke all the time, you know, when Maddie Rich came out with Straight Outta Brooklyn, was it Brooklyn or Straight of yeah. whatever it was. And I remember I went to go, cause you know, you know, we were young back then. It was like, yeah, we're seeing black things at last. And I remember seeing Straight Outta Brooklyn. And I remember the first thing that came out of mouth and no disrespect because, hey, if you can get a film out there, God bless you. But I remember sitting there thinking, I felt like I had just watched Good Times the movie, but like the bad version of it. And <laughs> then I thought, and then I thought to, mind you, you know, I, th- this is before I even thought to even think about myself doing anything to do with film. You know, At the time, I was a teacher, writer. my focus was going to be on a teacher, it was going to be on writing sci-fi fiction, that was going to be my niche, that was going to be my jam. So it was like a lot of my experiences with film was coming as a film cinephile, a film lover, a film, and just being honest about shit. Like, it wasn't until, you know, I had a friend of mine who graduated from um, Columbia and had left to go live in Hollywood, and she lived down the street from Sony Pictures and had a job. Like, this is before, and I told the story a lot, this is before I knew there really was a job known as a reader of scripts. So I remember here I come, my black revolutionary, blacky black self coming up because I was in Long Beach for the Black Consciousness Conference. And I said, I'm going to come up and hang with you for a week. And so she says, well, I got to work for the week. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Sony pictures. So she said, well, you can come hang out on the lot. So literally, everybody, this is what I did for a week. hanging out in Culver City. We would walk because that's how close she was. I, I could spit and there was her job. So I would, I would go in the morning time and I would hang out at the beach and then I would walk my ass all those blocks all the way to Sony Studios. She had got me a pack. I don't know, this is the 90s, I don't know how this was able to happen. you couldn't do that shit now. I would wander around the Sony, I'd go sit in her office, I would go eat. I would be on the back lot. I remember I went by and walked by, what's the dude's name that used to be on Married with Children Who Played the Sun?
0: Oh, uh, Faustino? I would
3: see him! Like, every other day, hey, dude, what's up? Buying ice cream. They'd be on the lunch break, hanging out. Like, I had, you know, I'm clueless. But part of the thing that really changed me and really got me to think about maybe doing film was the fact that she would be in her office and I would come by when I would be heading back to her apartment. I'd be like, yo, girl, what's up? She's like, hey, you want to read these scripts? That she had, like, my best friend's wedding. She had... I mean, I had, like, the, the production notes, the casting of, of Devil in a Blue Dress. I had the script to, um, and I remember I was dream casting for, and it won, it won, what's-his-name-is-Oscar? What was that movie with uh, Tom Cruise and Do from Boys in the Hood? Cuba Gooden Jr.? Oh, uh,
2: oh Jeremy Goy- Jeremy Goy-
3: I remember reading Jerry Maguire, like, I, like listen, I would take, I would walk from Sony Studios with like a shopping bag full of scripts, damn. we were black, we were black, we didn't know, oh, I had the Jumanji, I remember having like these bags of scripts, out of boredom, and I walked down the street, mind you, these are scripts that had stamped across, like you can't see it, it had, like the watermarks of the, st- I'm just, I'm just walking, getting to the Trader Joe's across the street, getting some snacks, Going back to her apartment and like reading the script and sitting here fan casting and talking about when I read Jerry Maguire, I said, you know what? Whoever fucking acts in this, whether it's any of the characters, they're going to win a fucking Oscar. I remember having like like scripts that you, I, I'm, some scripts I'm not even going to name because I'm ashamed that I had them in my hand. Um, <laughs> I was reading and giving her coverage at nighttime. Like, I would just read through the scripts and by the time she would come home, some night she'd be like, you want to come see a screening? Because they would have screenings on the studio. I remember watching the rough cut of Babysitter's Club with all the executives. Mind you, me and my friend, we were the only two black people, black women in the Thank audience. Goodness. And this is how honest I was. Like, man, this movie I'm is, a piece, right this movie is no. a piece of shit. This movie is
2: talking and about one topic. And we just jump all of this. Is, but, all over. this is, but this is important
3: because it does have a say to what we're tying into. The long way about. I'm doing the Christy Snow Three's <laughs> Company roundabout way of getting to the point. She's but terrible. the thing was this. <laughs> I would sit there and give my honor and I would read this stuff. And a lot of it was so cliched. And then I would, I, would, I would come into her office. And I think there was only other one black girl who worked in there who did coverage. And this is where I learned what coverage was. And this is where I also learned, you know, when you get your fantasies of what Hollywood is, I learned because my thought was when you think about Hollywood, it was like, once someone optioned a script, that movie was gonna be made. Yeah. I had no clue. Like this her friend that worked in the office, another black woman, young, like she must have been in her mid-20s. She was like, not only was she working and reading coverage at Sony Studio, and this was at TriStar, this is when TriStar was still around. Mm-hmm. Her friend was writing and optioning scripts and then she would take, she would get options for whatever thousands of dollars and she would take trips, like she had just come back from Bali. And I had no clue that you could make a living selling scripts to movies that were never made. Like my, yeah. this is, this but, is the cinema. Sit like, I'm sitting here on Sony studios lot, I'm telling you people, mm-hmm. I'm reading scripts that were later made and some have won Oscars and have changed lives and some have bombed and ruined careers. And I'm just sitting there looking at all the bullshit cliché stuff, learning the inside, and not realizing that there were jobs that you could tell people this is shit or this ain't shit and being gatekeepers. So all this to say that it feels like, and you talked about this in the letter, Hilliard, there seems to be a reckoning happening in Hollywood mm-hmm. where things that have been unsaid or have been said in the quiet of people's apartments, (laughs) in the quiets of bars when people have to vent, in the world of what I call Blacklandia where black people can take off their wigs, where they can relax and let their their lips get loose and say what they really wanna say, where it feels like they're being put on notice and it is not undeserved, I guess is what I wanna say. So, mm-hmm. Hillary, what I want you want to get into is basically tell us what made you and the other writers from the WJ, the Black Writers from the Black Writers Committee, come up with the idea of writing a letter, being emboldened enough to publish it, and then talk about really, like, the fallout from it, or pushback, or right. some of the responses to it since it's been published.
2: So, it came about from a couple of reasons. One is, Michelle... And, um, I guess I could say who it is. Jeff Bird were going to put out just they were just having a conversation. they were going to put out a little something together from the d j and the Writers Guild. Well, a few days later we we noticed that Jeff had already met with the DJ and put something out, just, but it was just like a little paragraph, right? It didn't really have the power to it. right, so the next day we get we see that the Writers' Guild put out something basically saying that they stand behind Black Lives Matter. And we were like, and Michelle and I were like, well, why didn't he reach out to us? You're right. They just, they just put it out. You know what I mean? So we. That's get on their the privilege. Yeah. So we get on the phone with them and, you know, you know how myself and Michelle is. We're not afraid to say whatever. So we just told them exactly that. You know, you're a little too privileged. You need to include us more, you know, et cetera, right. et cetera. And at the end, Michelle said, you know what? Give us a couple of days. Let us put something together for you. Let us write our letter from writers right know, dj did their version let us do a writer's version and so for a couple days um just went in and i think that the letter came from i was telling somebody i was telling chris about i was on my friend pete turner's podcast the break it down show we were talking about this and i was telling them timing is everything Right. right like the letter went viral because of the timing right And so, like I said, they're still asking us for interviews. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, And in the climate that we're in right now, you know, having just lost George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, all these people we just lost to, brutality, the marches going on, the protests, the staying at home for COVID, all these different, everything congested in one made us want to speak on this in a different way, you know. Which is why I love the title Michelle came up with, which is Dear Hollywood, is, it's to everybody. You know what I mean? Right. Yes, we're speaking, because we're speaking from a black point of view. And so um, the letter was meant to be, um, like you said, a call to action about, you know, and also the other thing that happened, you mentioned in the letter, you know, HBO and Netflix announced that they're going to be hiring all these black people and et cetera, et cetera. We're like, okay, we'll do it. You know what I mean? So it was. We were trying to make sure that we were um, trying to force them, trying mm-hmm. to force their hand, so that this can't be just a phase of something that they do. That well, well, sure. Go
0: ahead. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, look, that's something that that I want to address because mm-hmm. to me, I'm like, let's wait like a year from now and let's see what the actual hiring is. Yeah. Because, because the thing I know is that and I'll put this in the show notes as a fucking link, mm-hmm. is, is that, um, you know, uh, William Morris Endeavor put out some statement about wh- we're behind us we're behind this. But then one of the partners got fired right. because he hit reply all mm-hmm. on an email where he called out some of the people saying, oh, and so y'all – are a bunch of lying hypocrites because you know he put it to name saying you you and you you know don't help nobody out and you've had mm-hmm. opportunities to help people out and, and 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 you fucking never do
2: and then he and he and he got fired for that because you know the the it, tape went out it went out wide it was supposed to go to one person or something Is that would well he hit reply
0: all you know it mean I mean and it went out internally but he's supposed to hit to, to one person yeah. you know. So I mean, it didn't go it an yeah, accident. Yeah, it right. was an accident. Yeah, I mean, it, right. it but where
3: was the right lie?
0: Where was the lie? Yeah. This is a white guy saying. Yes. He was calling other white people out, saying you're right. fucking liars, and what you're doing mm-hmm. now yeah. is you're being opportunists and 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 and, and, and trying to save trying to save your face right now. But right. the thing is, I mean, it's like this it's like look right, like you said in the letter, there's like eight hundred and eight. Uh, self-identified uh, black writers, and I think it's, and I think what like fifty percent of them, or less, are working, and it's kind yeah, of like
2: four like hundred and something. Yeah.
0: Right? Like. Yeah. So so it's but it's kind of like you've got like five hundred you got five hundred scripted shows on the air like or more. So mm-hmm. so so that means that every scripted show could have a black writer on it. Should but have a black writer. But don't. It. You know don't. <laughs> And you know, at certain shows are gonna have you know, you know, are, are gonna have like three or four black writers on it. Yeah. But my thing is, like, like that's the thing that I really because here's the thing: I read your letter when it came out,
4: mm-hmm.
0: and then I read that response letter that that the, that the WGA put out. It was like, this is our response. This is yeah. not our reaction. This is our response mm-hmm. to what's going on. And I wrote them a letter back saying, so. But get to the board, you know, top people like the treasurer or the second vice president or, and the president. I said, "Y'all are bunch of bitches," because you won't do what the DVA does, which is you know, like, like publish that report that shames the showrunners for not mm. hiring blacks and not hiring they named names. Yeah, right. they, yeah, they name names. Mm-hmm. And you know what? that pissed me off the most was what's that woman's name? Uh, 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 Marjorie Davis. She pushed back. Well, we're making some progress because we asked them to do. You know, she was like a couple years ago. There was that, you know, like show us your room challenge. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, to, to, to me, I was like, a, a that wasn't mandated by the guild. No, so, so, we, so,
2: all, we, all, we that was us. Yeah. That was right, not right. Yeah. You know
0: what? And and, and guess you know, what?
2: My my show didn't even want to do it. Yeah. So yeah, because there was a bunch
0: of bitches. Yeah, they're all scared and shit. And, and, and guess what? You
3: should be. We sick. gave Aunt Jemima a perm. What more do you people want? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you got rid of Mrs. Butterworth. Sick. Okay,
2: it's like yes. Are we we're gonna Are
3: <laughs> gonna, gonna paint? We're gonna paint some Black Lives Matter on the on the highway, and 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 guess what? We're gonna do. We're gonna sing the Black National Anthem for a week. In front of the, the NFL, it's like, okay, y'all doing everything that nobody's asking you to do, except for the shit that we're asking you to do, which it is a systemic happened. problem. You're doing all of this signaling and all this performative stuff that no one's asking you to do. In fact, at this point now, trust me, no one cares that Aunt Jemima is a black woman that y'all made a whole bunch Because we're all used to being pimps, so... And, that's, and, the, and, and I like the syrup So I don't care what y'all I do on the that cover, cover. <laughs> That's just high those corn syrups I, I know, know. But, uh, that's, but, that's, but that's Home, that's like comfort food to me Like I'll do the real maple syrup But every now and then, you gotta go back to that stuff But it's like, they're doing a lot of Virtual <laughs> signaling that it's Not even yeah. addressing The issue, and they love committees We're gonna have a little committee to talk about this Or we're gonna have a little panel that's gonna discuss it Yeah, you're talking, but you're not nice.
4: doing
0: it gonna okay. happen. I don't think anything's gonna happen with the writers unless they do two things. They they have to do three things. They have to put that thing called the Rooney Rule in. From you know in the yep. NFL, if there's ever a uh, a a opening for a head coach position, they have to at least take an interview with somebody black. Yep. So. They have to put the Rooney Rule, and, and they were bitches to not put it in the negotiation this year, the NBA. But they have to do that for screenwriters. They need to let someone black go in and pitch on any fucking project. I don't care what the fuck it is.
2: Let me pitch on it. All right. You know. Right. Uh, you know uh, you what? Know, movies too. Yeah. You ain't the only one who can write it. Yeah. 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 Because
0: cause, because because here's the thing. You know these people. You know there's Alexander Hamilton. He's mm-hmm. not white. So, but, 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 so they're, and he's from the island, so people who are black should be able to write a story about the Revolutionary War. But Christopher Atticus was the first person who was killed, so he's able to write that story. You know, mm-hmm. there's your boy, like Algin or Dumas and Beethoven, uh, you know, are, are, you know, they're, they're African with their descent, so therefore someone black should be able to write some story about what's happening, in, like during the, the Renaissance era. And during the Enlightenment era, if you are if you a story like during that time period. So black should be able to do that. There's black people there. You know? I mean And he,
3: and here's what's interesting you it,
0: is you oh, always wait have, wait 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 okay, wait, because, okay so, so there's the Rooney rule. You have to fucking do the goddamn thing that that the the, that the the that the that the the room is photographed. And here's why you need to do that. Because you have because of each show is a seventy million dollar independent business that's owned by a conglomerate. Mm. Guess what? If you fucking you know want the, the the board of directors of any company, you get to see them. You get to see their photographs. You get to see who the fuck they are. Right. You know? so well, here's the
3: pushback that I'm, the pushback that I'm noticing and stuff is this idea that oh, they're asking. You know, it's almost as if you know the the whole gaslighting of you know it's affirmative action. You guys just want like a special place. I'm like, no, we've been in this game for a long time. We have a lot of exceptional writers mm-hmm. and they rely on the same pool of mediocreness. And I have to say that because like I told you guys last week, um, I told you guys, last, I might have told my writing group this last week, but I, I have been watching so many, you know, I've been working on this new pilot script. For a supernatural show, and I've been like going through watching. I think I told you guys this. Watching watch a lot, of, watching. Yeah. yeah, I've been watching a lot of the shows, the current shows within the last two or three years. And, you know, I'll go and look at it, and I go see who the writers are, and see what other shows they've worked on and stuff. And the stuff is so mediocre, and it's the same old, same old. And I'm just bored, and it's like I just can't figure out why you would not want to open up your pool and get some new. New shit because a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing in terms of black writers and publishing, some really cool things are coming out. Um, I just don't understand why a lot of these writers' rooms are so reticent. I mean, I, I, are you just scared of blackness that much? You know, and once again, if you notice, and I just have to say this, you know, not because I'm a black person, which I am, um, once again, with any kind of changes, with any type of reckoning that America has to come up with, it's always black people mm. making the noise, doing that work. And so, you know, once again, you know, black people shaking the table and I'm really curious. So I'm going to bring it to you, Hilliard. Number one, what has been the, and I said this before, but I want to make sure we state it so you can answer it what has been the responses, good and bad? And number two, what has been the response from non-black people of color? If you've gotten any type of reach out or, or
2: responses. Well, oh been, yeah, that's interesting. It's been fascinating. First, who are of color, has been like, wow, we wish this was you know, we wish we could have done that, you know what I well, mean? You said other people of color? Yes. For example, so why and why
3: don't
2: they? Well, let me get to this. Go ahead. So, for example, <laughs> the, let me make it clear. The letter we put out, the statement we put out, was the first time ever they've allowed any committee to do that represented by the, by the, by the Writers Guild with their stamp on it. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, mm. They've never done that before. The only reason why, in our opinion, and we're grateful that they did, that that happened was because we spent, you know, an hour and a half going in on them, first of all, you know what I mean? And they were like, holy shit. So the following week when we turned in the letter, um, they read it and they were like, wow, this is amazing. And, you know, they had like one or two minor little changes here or word here or whatever. But it's pretty 99% the letter that we turned in. There was one little stipulation that they had, which we had one little thing about. They said, you, Chris, you were talking about that... Um, that percentage? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we were talking about how there's, I want to say, it was like 4% of black people are, I I forget what it is off the top of my head right now, I can't remember. Um, And they were like, oh no, there's more like 13% of people of color. And we were like, people of color? They were like, yeah, we're like, no, no, no. We said black. We said black people. Yeah. Together. And one thing, go
0: ahead, Chris. Yeah, well, see, that's why people fuck up in this business because they think what holds an Asian person black is the same hurdle that holds a black person back, and it's not. I mean, because yeah. if you look at the numbers, it's like 65% of the Asian people are, are who are who are identified as Asian who are working in the guild. And, and and but there's so little of them. It's like it's it's a disproportionately high number. So yeah. essentially, like they're cooking the books because they're trying to say, wow, people. You know, I mean, look, look, the, the racism that black people face is so much higher. I don't hear about Asians getting you know getting shot because they're sleeping at a Wendy's. I don't hear about that. You know, I don't. You know, where's the scene in the movie where? The, the the white cop is putting his gun mm-hmm. at the Asian guy and talking about well, punk, do you feel lucky like like that's not happening mm-hmm. and, and, and and those images mean something, and unless you're there to fight that off as a black person, it's just wrong and, and, and white people are so caught up in their own ivory towers that that they don't realize that you can't put us all together because well, it's just you' you're fucking up doing that.
2: Right, well, and so, so, like, a lot of the, we've heard from all the other committees, they've all reached out going, wow, this is amazing, we can't believe you guys did this, you know, this is, and all the other committees consists of the Latino committee, the Asian committee, the uh, Indigenous committee, you know, the, um, um, I won't forget the the committee is called People Over 50, they keep longevity. changing names. Yeah, the, longevity. The, the Career Longevity Committee um you know the women's committee et cetera. Et cetera. everybody everybody's made you know, like like wow this is amazing um outside of that it's been interesting i'm sure we all have received emails um dms whatever things on facebook on 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 on, on twitter whatever um from our white friends going wow what can we do you know what i mean that's been the biggest thing that i've seen and um and I've said this before, and I still totally believe this, uh, based on what I saw, that when George Floyd was killed and people started protesting, I saw mainly black faces at first, at least in my head. And then I noticed that Twitter went in because people started going, where where are our white friends? You guys claim to be you know, um, behind us. You claim to be on our side. Show Mr. up.
3: Rihanna said pull up.
2: Right. If y'all right. saw her
3: when she won her, right. uh, what was it? What was it? Essence or whatever the award was she won. And she got up there and she said, Those of you, if you're sleeping with black people, if you partying with black people, if you are profiting off of black culture, you need to pull up. And I was like, Thank right. you,
2: Riri. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, and so things changed, you know. So all of a sudden we started seeing the influx of white people. So it, it literally became, I mean, this is like week two, by the way. So it happened really early, um, but I noticed that all of a sudden it was like more white people than everybody else. Because I went out there one day. Remember the the, the big um, thing happened outside of my house? When I mean, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Um, and at the park down the street from me, I always what's that park called by my house? Uh, Pan Pacific Park. I just always call it the park. I never even know what it's called. But that was like the hub where and then all spread throughout everywhere. And that was the night that you know, Melrose burned down pretty much. And so um, um, it's been fascinating to me to watch like what's been happening. So we've been getting lots of interviews from other people. That that letter that they put out, we thought was just going to go to the writers' good by the way. We thought it was just going to go to the committees. I mean, to the, um, to the members. And then boom, they were like, no, we're going live with this. We're hitting deadline. And we are like, oh shit. Uh, you know, and her deadline and Hollywood Reporter and Los Angeles Times, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the Forbes magazine, I mean, it was crazy. And so I think it's in over like 30 different publications right now, um, which is amazing. Um, and everybody who has it in, like, for example, Chris, the thing that, that um, um, Kirk Moore did, you know, there's even a link to it in that. You know what I mean? So people are bouncing off of it and reminding people to check it. So it's just going, you know, it's just blowing up. Um, so so, yeah, yeah. So we're still getting um, more and more um, um, requests to speak. Like, we just got one last week from some big news person um, to do in the next few weeks. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's been fascinating. Um, yeah,
0: something else I wanted to say just about the letter, you know, there's always this talk about And I think it's interesting to tie in because you mentioned the thing with Kirk Moore. It's like, and and this is something that the letter puts out about like the lack of experience and the lack of ability to get promoted and Mm -hmm. to get fucking, I mean, like I was thinking about this, like I've heard all these stories, you hear these stories all the time, but I'm hearing a lot of them like more now in a certain way that I'm kind of like in the Hollywood writers room and shit, it's still some Jim Crow shit going on where <laughs> you can't like say your mind as someone black. Cause if you do, then they'll treat you like fucking mega Evers, like, like mm. with your fucking career, you know, you're done. And it's, uh, it, I mean, it's like, we were talking about this the other day. Well, I can't remember where it was. Maybe on the podcast, where we were in the, the, the ticker room. We were saying that, you know, if if you got in, in like 2000 to 2005 as a writer, so few of the people who got in then are are fucking working now. Yeah. They survived to
2: survive. You know, you get stuck in that on those UPN shows, and, mm-hmm. then, and then you can't work anywhere else. Think and, about uh, it. Rita. Most of our friends that we knew at OBS who were working back then when we were in OBS are not working right now. Right. You, know, yeah. you know, and what's fucked,
0: what's fucked up about it is because there's a high degree of fucking indignity that you probably cannot swallow. If you were like a co e p on like living single, yeah. and then they want you to be like executive executive story editor yeah. you know um on some white show i don't mm-hmm. you know what that happened to Prentice penny oh, yeah. I yeah mm-hmm. that because mm-hmm. a friend of mine worked with him on the 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 last season of Scrubs, which I mm-hmm. think was the first time that he worked on like a mainstream show and that was her first, you know, like, staff writing job. And, and they, like, you know, and they did the paper teaming of them as a woman and a black guy. And he was, like, uh, and he was coming off of, like, you know, like, some high-profile shit on fucking BT, where it was. And, and I remember he told her some shit, like, uh, it, it, in the eyes of them, it doesn't count. And right. to me, I'm like, how does it not count It's still a $50, $60 million enterprise? It's still, I still got to deliver the shows on time. I got to do the scripts on time. I gotta do all this shit. And, it's, and, and, and to me, it's kind of like Hollywood is not just the executives saying, like, I'm doing this.
2: It's the other writers,
0: particularly well,
2: the other Bian- writers. Here's something interesting Bianca talks about this a lot because she's somebody who, who, if I recall, she had to play staff writer four times and was asked seven times to be a staff writer that's fucking crazy but the th- here's the interesting thing she talked about and chris well all three of us we all know lots of writers who've been staff writers like linell you know more than three times mm-hmm. and so they are and they're already producing episodes already writing scripts you know they're just not being paid for them et cetera, et cetera. they're already doing co-producer work right Right. So, so, when you get the, hey, we're looking for a mid level writer, they can't even submit, even though they've been on shows for the last four seasons as a staff right? Writer. Right. You know what I mean, and
3: on set, and on set. Exactly. Big, and, yeah. and
2: that's the Irony. So, they, they just assume you don't have the experience yet. Right. To, you've had the room experience, you've had the set experience, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so, but yet, because it says staff writer, they're like, oh, well, you can't do this, you know? So I was telling you guys a few weeks ago that I got a call from, you know, the people doing the showrunners program. And I, for for an hour and a half, gave them two hours of notes. You know, and one of them, the things that I told them is stop assuming that black staff writers are only are super inexperienced. I said, most of us have to be prolific. Most of us have already shot five or six short films. Most of us have already made our own feature films or documentaries and proof of concepts and everything. So we're already co-producers when we walk on your show. What we, what we lack is actually room experience, right. not the actual experience of writing, You know, uh, uh, managing. We've already done all those things. You know, a lot of us. I would say the problem is you guys don't interview us enough. You don't, you don't get to find out more information. You know, you just assume, oh, we got this young black writer, he wrote this cool script, they're cool, right, we got a black guy in the show, we need somebody, yeah, they'll work, as opposed to, what have you really, you know what I mean, who, who are you? You know what I mean, let me look at one of their movies that they made or something, be like, wow, this guy's advanced, you know, this girl's advanced, you know what I mean? You can tell in their work, but they don't take that time. And and, and
3: please don't just have one in your room. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I (laughs) Well,
0: well, 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 see, See, yeah, that's the thing about, about, like, for instance, like, take Linnell, right? So, she was on Army Wives, she was on Z Nation, she was on uh, Black Lightning, staff writer every time. But between Z Nation and and Black Lightning, I want to say she directed, like, three short films? Yep. You know, so she's sitting around with, like, you know, she's got probably, you know, 10 to 15 set days outside of the, you know, set days where she is the main boss. Right. Where fucking everything is on her shoulders. And therefore, that's not just, like, being on set, like, you know, if you're on uh, to produce your episode because the machine is going... Mm -hmm. Regardless, and, and you're there to supervise. Yeah. So she's the one who's like designing the vision of the fucking show, making sure the actors just doing all this. You got to do as a director and as the writer, and she's probably s- doing some producing on it. Yeah, you know? and, and just like, and
3: just and just her unique background, you know. Yeah, air yeah. force and all that, and it's like you are missing out on so much good stuff that could enhance your show. And bring a level of like, you could just upgrade and level up your shit. Just get a couple black people. Just, the know, the,
2: here's, black the people irony, here's the irony. Here's the irony Sorry, Chris. Is that? And this is what I was trying to tell the people that, for the for the showrunners thing. And I was like, look, you guys forget. Not only are they have they been the staff writer for three seasons or four seasons, you know, on different shows. They also and, and, and on the side, they have experience, like you said, being like a man who's done over the last two years, you know, four or five different shorts, right? So I said, I said here's the thing that you're missing, though, is that to assume that they don't have the the, um, the credit to move forward because they don't have whatever experience you have. But yet these white guys and girls move up in the room and get bump, double double bumps and stuff like that. And they're on shows they haven't even been to produce yet.
4: Yeah. Listen,
3: you listen. I mean? Do you remember that, that that thing just went around? They were talking about Lena Dunham and how she got the girl show barely a pitch, a, barely even a, a pitch on paper, yeah. and yet all these other people had full on Bibles, yeah. all this other stuff, and it we was like have elements to get. Yeah, sure. and it's like you know I had all kinds of stuff, seasons and and just I I just an idea and walked in and got a show. And, you know, I mean, it it says what it says in terms of nepotism and knowing people in high places, like, yeah, that's my girl, bring her in, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I just feel like you're just missing so much. And I can only speak in terms of black people. Um, You're just missing so much cool shit. I mean, we know America back and forth more than anybody else, I would say. And I just feel like to not have us in those spaces... To make to help make your shows better, to help make those show, and then and 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 plus we're funny as fuck when we go in and we talk about. We'll promote your show. We'll be out there doing our thing. Like we are like one of the the biggest hype people you could have on your team when it comes to like getting stuff out there. And it's like when you just keep hiring these lames. I just got to say it, y'all. When you just keep hiring these lames, and I'm sitting here watching shit fast forwarding and being bored out of my mind. I just feel like. You don't deserve us. And maybe your shows to just stay shitty. <laughs> and we just take we just take our, our, our wonderful talents and just disappear. I don't know. It's just it's just really frustrating. But Hilliard, I wanna ask you, yeah. what has been if you have any, what has been the pushback since this letter has gone so wide?
2: We haven't gotten any real pushback that I know of per se, but we have had heard Things like people saying, Oh, this feels like a like a ransom note. Is that the word? The ransom note? Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? That's been the most like harsh thing that I've heard when people are like, Oh, well, I feel like they're of course I'm sure it's some white dude over fifty who's saying it. But like, uh, what about us white guys? Like what's yeah. that guy, Gilbert? The guy who, who
3: created Gilbert was mm-hmm. going off on a rant talking about I've been I've been fired from jobs because I'm white. It's like no, you're probably fired because you're not that good. No one <laughs> fires you
0: look, there's there's no one who fires you just no. because Ain't nobody you're white. fired because you 'cause
3: you're white and a history of whitedom. <laughs> Except maybe someone black who fucking hears you say
0: some racist shit that yeah. you know And complained to look, HR and you, then they got fired. <laughs> uh, see like like here's the thing. If you're white and you're in a white space, no one even thinks about it. There was yeah. no even conversation about look at this blonde guy walking up in here with his hair cut
1: <laughs> and in jail in, fact, in
0: fact, Wait, wait wait, wait, wait,
3: wait, wait. In fact, you're even stacked with assumptions that you already got shit together when you could probably, just like the rest of us, just trying to hustle and make it, but you're already the bias is already there in your favor in terms of assuming that you already have the chops Yes. compared to someone yes. else. And that's where th- that becomes an issue. Cause look, we know for a fact, there's some bomb ass white folks that can write their asses off okay. and, trust, and trust me, I am watching they shit. <laughs> so, you know, it has nothing to do in terms of what these people are talking about, you know, oh, it's reverse racism or it's like, oh, you don't want white people in the room. It's like, no, that's not what we're saying. And for you to try to gaslight uh, just tells me that what you're really saying is you're afraid of actually being in the room where people are going to make you step your game up.
0: Well, look, look, that go. That's why I said earlier, the writer's room in Hollywood is Jim Crow because Jim Crow was put in place to prevent black people from working because these, these, I mean, part of the reason was, Hey, you can compete with us. And since you've been used to actually fucking breaking your back on the fields, we can't let you take those jobs from us because so we can't let, no, 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 no. We can't just take any job. And right. then you show us, like, that you can work, like, anywhere else. And because you can take the lash and still do work. So if the work you got to do is so much easier than that. Like, you know, like, break some rock, you know, or some shit like that. Or do some tunneling or whatever the fuck it is. And, and you there's no fucking. tunneling. You, <laughs> you, you know what? And there's yeah. no fucking lash around you to do that shit. I'm just saying, like, historically, you, uh, there's no lash. And, you, and, and, and you're still going to do the same out of work. That shit that shit could be frightening because you're like, I don't wanna work that hard.
2: Uh, But if you work that hard, you (laughs) don't have the money. How afraid do you have to be to hear that somebody whistled at you that you need to go out and kill them? How threatened are you by somebody you know what I mean? Okay. Oh, we're gonna go out two days later, hunt them down, drag them out of the house, and completely mutilate them. You know what I mean? A, yeah. a 14 year old kid by the way right, you know what right. I'm just giving you an example You know of, of the threat That you have to have in your head The insecurity
3: The can,
2: insecurity
3: And can I just say that I think A lot of this reckoning Is only possible because of this pandemic Because I think the fact that So many things have been shut down for three months And it's like the first time in the history Of a lot of Americans Where they've actually had to sit and look at some things where they, where they have no choice but to look at it because it's the only thing that's in front of them. So, and, and I also think, and we talked about this before, I think the reckoning in terms of whatever protests or rioting or anything that's happening or you know, uprisings that are happening in the streets, now that people are taking it to their places and their homes and disrupting their idea of comfort, mm-hmm. um, I think it's really opening a lot of eyes for people. And mind you, we've had a bunch of accomplices Working with black folks in the business for a long time. You know, we know a bunch of them uh, offhand, you know, Paul Guyo, for one, a -hmm. lot of our, you know, who are just like, they understand they're not not allies, Mm -hmm. they're accomplices. Okay, Mm -hmm. there's a big difference. And allies, one thing, accomplice, they drive in the car, nigga, what you need? We coming, let's go. We doing this, let's go. They got the bats in their hand, they out there with you. So we know that those people are out there, but we also know that those people also face those challenges and they also face being ostracized or being fired or basically being treated like black people too. Yeah. So, you know, I want to make sure that we're clear that, you know, I'm not sitting here saying for me personally that there are no white people who understand, there ain't no white people who are down for it. There aren't any white people who well, do want black people in the room. Well, that uh-huh. that- They're there, but there's some inequities in terms of, of how much power they really have too.
2: Well, that's their the lower level. level thing that happened was that there were several, there was like a series of events that happened. You know, um, um, Michelle and Jeff Bird were going to put out this thing that didn't happen. we wrote out this thing about Black uh, Lives Matter. So uh-huh. we got on the call with them, you know, um, with all the guys on the board and women at the board and, you know, went in on them, decided we would do one. And then the next day, you know, and I'm not calling them out with this, I'm just generalizing this is what happened. Right. Is that, you know, we, we got on the phone with Glenn Mazzara about the Juneteenth event that we did. Right. And he invited us to come on and help him with it. And we were like, When is it? They're like next Friday. We're like, So you already have it going? <laughs> you know, how come we weren't involved? Right. So the whole point of that conversation was, We love you, Glenn. You are you are the guy who is the face of exactly what you're saying. He is the um What's the word you use? Not ally. What's the word you use? Accomplice. 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 He is the accomplice for us. We all know that. And I said that to him. He's the getaway said, driver. It's he's right. the getaway driver. <laughs> I said, Glenn, we know that about you. I says, but here's the problem. And I said this to him. Here's the problem. It's 2020, right? I said, four years ago, I went with you to um, um, one, of the, one of the studios. Because he, he goes on our behalf. Is Lisa still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. I don't see him um He goes on our behalf to talk to the studios and networks and whatever about hiring, you know, people of color, diverse writers, you know, uh, disabled writers, you know, older writers, et cetera, et cetera. And, and 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 I went with them, me and Michelle and Yvette Vargas and a bunch of us, and we're like sitting on the side on foldout chairs, and he's sitting at the top of the at the head of the table with all these executives, and I'm like. I said, you know what that looks like, bro? He said, what? I said, it looks like we we got brought into a principal's office, and we're like, "Dad, he hit me." And you're like, you know and what I mean? To give a visual of that, think of the
3: the the Charlie Brown meme, where Franklin's on one side of the Thanksgiving table, and everybody else is on the other side. The
4: side. Damn.
3: Damn. Like, <laughs> damn. And I'm Franklin's so- in, and Franklin's sitting in the lounge
2: area. <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly. so I said, to him, I said i said i said we're over on the side you're at the table talking the entire time the only thing we said was hi i'm hilliard i'm the vice chair or co-chair or whatever of that of this committee right that's all that right you know so really we don't have a voice what we need you to do is say hey i, I have a meeting at this particular company and let us and you go to the head of the table and go, hey, guys, I'm going to introduce you to somebody. And we all come in, and you go sit on the side. That's exactly right. what I said, too. Right, right, you know right, I mean? right, right. And so, because initially, he was going to moderate that panel on Juneteenth, and Lisa and um, Michelle's like, no, you can't do that. You know, not now. You know, six months ago, yes, but not in right. this time. Yeah, because the optics now, everything well, is under a
0: microscope. Yeah, well, well he, here's the thing, you know. Like, you were talking about well, people, I mean, look, I'm writing the damn uh, essay right now, my follow-up essay, uh-huh. and it's called "Liberals. Let's thank Mr. Trump because you know he's because he fucked up this pandemic so hard that you know and and his response to shit and just everything he's done has put people on edge to allow this moment to happen and to mean something. Because if because if Trump wasn't such a bitch, this th- th- you know then th- this this was f- this is five or ten years down the road right now, you know. You're right. And I mean, I I, I I there was something you wrote in the uh, on the in the letter to Kilroyd about. Um, I, I mean, it's it's I I just feel like you know these places. There's certain places that were like you know like like Netflix is obviously putting up all this money and. Doing this bank stuff and moving and moving money to black-owned banks and stuff like that, right. and, and I'm just kind of like, okay, <laughs> I get what you're doing because you are very specific in, you know, I have got my fucking algorithm to hel- help me determine like where black people live, and I'm noticing that 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 those zip codes aren't subscribing to our service that much. How do we change that shit? So
2: they know full well. Well, I thought you were going to say the reverse. Like, they're realizing how much we're watching not for Netflix, and like, holy shit. That's what oh, I thought you were say. Okay. Well, 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 no, that's what I'm
0: saying. The Netflix knows that. That's why Netflix is making that big stance, because mm-hmm. because they made that effort to say, hey, this is, you know what, if, if we make products specifically for black people, they will come and subscribe and fucking make us money. The sad thing is, there's a report that... C- CAA put out, I think in like 2015 or some shit like that, they said that blacks and Latinos make up like 48% of the movie going audience. I believe that. So so you say to yourself, these high think budget even films. More. <laughs> I mean, look, look. So you say to these these high budget films that don't perform well or, you know, or like whatever it is, like, you know, like if he filmed or something like that, it's kind of like <clears throat> you didn't put them on black in it. So therefore they didn't come. So, yeah. therefore you, so, therefore, you missed out on a bunch of money. Right. And, 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 and,
3: and, and black folks and, and you know, other people of color, nowadays, they're being very strategic on what they want. And, and what they want to see is they want to see themselves in some stuff. It doesn't, yeah. necessar- it doesn't necessarily have to be an all black or all Latino, all Asian show. That it's like, you know, we want to see ourselves in those shows that everyone is watching where we're part of that, you know, fabric too, because we're there when we go to the job, we see ourselves at the job. But right. when we watch, when we watch ourselves on these shows, like office shows or tech shows, and we're not there, you know, we're not going to waste our money on that shit. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people I'm hearing on the, on the timeline are saying shit like, literally, they'll see a trailer come out and the commentary is like, I ain't watching that shit. Mm-hmm. Who's no in one, it? There's, there's no ain't nobody right black. Yeah. Look look, 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 here's the thing. I have, to, I have to admit, I'm one of those people, in particular when it comes to American shit. Foreign yeah. stuff, I'm going to watch anything and everything, and I'm good because <laughs> shit is good. It's better. Honestly. It's all good. It's all it's good. good. It's all good. But it's like when it comes to American stuff, I, you know, me specifically, I am very strategic. If you ain't got no black woman in it, that, it, it, that it, it, realistically there should be some black women there yeah. And they're watching it If you only have one type of black woman I might not watch it right. Because you know there's a certain hue You know that, that always gets play More than everybody else Or a certain you know hair texture that's always there It's like and I, they're interchangeable And I can't Like I, I am very strategic And you know I'm not saying that I won't watch stuff That's American that doesn't have any black people in it You know because I do watch a lot of shit But it's like, in terms of stuff that I love, like genre stuff or things, it's like, if I don't see me in it, I'm not paying money to go see it.
0: Yeah, yeah, but see, see, the thing is, the American stuff that has got black people in it, that's not a black show, It's just people of color. It's like, like, The Expanse is still my favorite show that's still rolling on TV right now. Right. Because... You know that crew has got a black woman. It's got a guy who's looks like he's maybe Pakistani or something like that. It's, it's indeterminate what you know what he's supposed to be. You know, there's like like the woman who was the the the, the head of the UN was was a Persian woman. They it's, have that. That is my God, Shora. That yeah. is the
3: God. That is the narrator of my life in the daytime. It's like yes
0: so so, so, so they're doing all this really cool stuff that one show that 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 i really wanted to see tales from the luke and no it was all white yes all white do you
3: do you know do know, do know, do you know how my feelings were hurt when i sat down to watch that and i was like all right got the good snacks and stuff and i was like oh i am so sorry i i have to
2: leave
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna watch any more than
2: one other i not in 2020 or even two. Yeah, I have. All
0: right, but, but yeah, but here's why. Here's why. Now, I'm gonna see if I can find this study because I read about it. I mean, it your was,
3: cast, your cast got to be exceptional, but what's happening and what I see it when there's no people of color on your show, you're hiring the same mediocre looking people. Like, you know, casting is big for me. Like, you got to capture me with your face, with something. And if it's just the same, I can't do it anymore. In the old days, we had no choice. You know, we only had a few networks, a couple cable shows, and it is what it was. It's like those days are over, Jack. And it's like I'm not paying no premium prices for stuff and not seeing myself in it. Oh, honey, no. And not only am I not going to watch it, I'm going to tell you why I'm not watching it. I'm going to at you and talk to you directly. And people are doing that. So... I you yeah. know it's 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 got to get better, um, I, like you said, Chris. I'm kind of like with you. It's like all this this virtue signaling and all this stuff. It's not going to make it's not going to be real until I see some stuff one or two years from now. Right, it's like you're, you're, you're saying that stuff, but are you doing it? You know, it's
0: like all these people, like Marvel Comics are saying you know, all this kind of Here's the thing, though. There's a report that I read about five or six years ago. It was, a, it was a joint study with some Canadian university and the University of Milan. And they were like showing, they were showing white people, you know, in, in America, um, these movies. And they were saying that if there wasn't an overwhelming number of white people on the screen, the white people got fidgety when they're watching the movie. You know and and and, and, and you know right. and, and you know and the higher level of non-white people like on the screen is prompting them to walk out of of movies and shit like that. and it just lets me know that there's like there's a there's a deeper issue than just the racism going on about keeping blacks down. It's like because it's like you know it's it's like when like when Bong Joon-ho was getting up there. Who was Oscar and he was com- he was he was kinda like joking, but he was like saying, if you guys would get past like reading the subtitles, i.e., look at some material that 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 does not have white faces in it, you're fucking like missing out on all these types of stories. So
3: much. And I mean, also all these, stories geez, that can help you become a better writer. And yes.
0: A, a better writer, a better film because he just here's a point you made. Here's a point you made that I thought was really fascinating. He said that, like, there's that filmic language that everybody took out of from, from Hollywood movies and stuff like that. The, 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 the greatest thing about watching, like, foreign cinema is, you know, like, they understand what works from, from Hollywood cinema, but they figure out ways to kind of, like, tell the story that, that, is, that is visually different, like, narrative-wise by doing things that, that Americans wouldn't do. Right. I sit here and watch stuff, and I, I, I'm like, that's some shit that, that, that the execs of Hollywood would be like, nope, you can't yep. shoot it like that. Yep. You can't shoot it like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it's just but, like, I, I mean, for instance, like I'll give you a great example. There's that shot near the end of Parasite where, you know, it's like the boy is talking about, hey, dad, I'm going to buy the house, and then. All you have to do is just is walk up the walk, walk up the stairs, walk yeah, up the stairs. And the shot follows him as he comes up the stairs, and it follows him and it turns and it tilts, you know, just pans with him. And he walks out of the, he walks down the living room and walks outside. And he hugs his son, but it's a long shot. Yeah, it stays way back, and the and, 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 yeah. you know, and, and the wife is, the wife is running up, and it fades to black before the wife like even gets to hug the husband again. And sure. I'm kind of like in an American movie. That's all got to be close-ups. Mm-hmm. All got to be these close-ups because cause right.
2: you can't... You, you, so you, need you a, know, Hollywood ending. Yeah, because
0: you can't trust yeah. the fact that it's like, you know, just let it say what it's going to say, that, that the mm-hmm. house is dominating the frame because the house, you know, is the house is what, you know, like shattered the family. So it's mm-hmm. like you have to have that in the shot. It's like that's where... I mean, you know, these, it, I, and that's a concept that you would see if you, were, if you were more conversant like in, that, in, in non-Hollywood cinema, you would see stuff that would help you as mm-hmm. a filmmaker, as a writer. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's not what's going on.
3: And as a human being in general. Like, you know, yeah. when, you see a, when you see a really great film, an international film, that not only is it entertaining, not only does it spark creative ideas with your own work and your own writing, but it also makes you feel something and see the world in a different way than you did before you sat down and watched it. I mean, I think that's what real art does. It reminds you of a human. It connects you to things and it, and it does make you a better person. But I just feel like American cinema, American media does not want to make people better. It's, you know, I know what it is. It's a business, but at the same time though, it is lacking so much. It's like when, I don't know if, you know, I know the algorithms are different for everybody's Netflix, but when I, when I log into my Netflix and I see a lot of what the number one or trending things are, or I see things based on what they think I've been watching and they try to like, give me a lot of stuff. Like I swear to God, mm-hmm. all my stuff is just international stuff. Like mm-hmm. every now and then I'll see something that's American made go across my little screen. I'll be like, oh wait, what was that? Let me take a look at that, you know? But I just realized that all my stuff, you know, from comedies to dramas, to whatever the category is for a particular genre, It's very rare that I have anything really American in it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just recently started going Mm -hmm. back, watching some things that, you know, would be considered American. But, you know, the moment I start watching it, and that's the power of of watching streaming, Mm -hmm. is you get 10 minutes, buddy. Jack, you get 10 minutes. And then I'm either... Or or I'm fast-forwarding, or guess what? I'm scrolling through to something else, you know?
2: I was thinking about the letter about um, the I feel like it gave a lot of people like a is it like a visceral feeling you know when they watch it like what's been like the biggest compliment like and Chris and I were talking offline about we did um, script notes that just came out last week
4: yeah.
2: and um, on John and Craig's episode and though I was a little disappointed we only had a segment as opposed to a whole episode uh I still was glad that we did the show, but I was I was, I feel like it we did what we wanted to do. Where to me, John and Craig are two of the smartest people in Hollywood. I think we would all agree with that. Yeah, and they were so complimentary on the writing itself. And Craig actually um, read from it like his one of his favorite passages from it, which I thought was brilliant. And um, so it, it it I thought I thought it was important for Hollywood to see. Like the two people that they put on the pedestal read from black writers that they could write, you know right. what I mean right and that that was a an very so those of you who haven't heard that episode on script notes um check that out. Um, it was in I,
0: but, but yeah, but this is my thing. I still want to know here's the thing that like I would have liked to have them do, and they can do it later or like whatever it is, particularly Craig because he's got that video game show that oh. he's like the last of us is he can get up there and say or if someone asked them who's the black writer that you read that you can champion right now <laughs>
3: I mean if you're gonna walk the walk you get you know
0: you gotta walk it you know but he, 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 this this is my thing you probably are not reading anyone for your show and I don't know if that's because he's gonna write the whole thing again the way he did with with Chernobyl, I doubt is it. Limited
2: series or is it a full on um,
0: it's it's probably like a full on thing because it doesn't make sense for them to do a video game at, that's so open ended like that, like an Perfect. apocalypse thing as a as a limited series, particularly like that the sequel video game just came out and it's like this gangbusters thing. So you so you got enough story for at least two or three seasons. And I'm just and I, to me I'm just kinda like, okay who you? I mean, but but in general, look. Here's the thing, right? On Twitter, like you see people like Latoya Morgan or or mm-hmm. like or, or Rivera so uh, no, Shout out, out to
3: Latoya! Yes. And and the thing they do is
0: they <laughs> shout out these these black writers who get dab. I get mm-hmm. the thing that like Liz did and and, and Javi did where they just shout out writers in general who right. weren't getting dabbed. But it's like specifically John Craig, Harvey, these, these it, there's, I, I, must know when I was no one else white that I know I follow who's was a showrunner. Mm. she get there and say, "Here are some black writers that I've read that I you know fucking think that other white people should read because you I mean look there's th- there was a woman, her name is Vera or something or other. She did this thing like that. Um, she's, it's called Blackout Tuesday. She did this like three weeks ago. Mm. And, you know, I, I submitted a script to her and, and she had it read by some, I mean, and, 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 it, and it got it read by, by some white people and it, got mm-hmm. me, and it got me a meeting, you know, okay. and it was, it was, you know, which is now going to set up like two more meetings. So, mm-hmm. you know, but, but she was sitting there saying to me, she was like, I can't believe you haven't been staffed. You write better than fucking the supervised producers on my show. Yep. And I was like, hey. That's this business. Yeah. That's how right. fucked up it is. It's like you yeah. heard, It's like you were saying. Like, here, like saying saying earlier, here we heard, these white people, you know, just get bumped up just because they're just because they completed the year. Yep. You know, like like they get that automatic, Yeah, automatic. yeah, yeah mm-hmm. they get that satisfactory rating. You, you, you know, it's the thing that thing that my dad used to always say. He said that too much of the world is fucking run by C and D students, and. Yeah. You you know and and, 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 and <laughs> yeah you know and and it's true and he's talking mm-hmm. about white people because it's like right. they just get to roll up and say I'm here okay well here's your fucking you know which lets me know that it, that these white guys who are complaining about all, oh, you know I've been like getting hired and blah, blah 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 that means you're like a deer and F student you know right. like you honestly right. are because right right you just need to be C to get a job like really and plus.
3: Know? The, the A++ white writers in the room, they already know who the, to the, the, the draggy white people are, and yeah. they probably wish they could get rid of those people and get some other people in, but I hope that this time gives the momentum to maybe speak up on it call some folks out, and be really honest about people's writing. Like, dude, you're only in here because wah-wah-wah, and your writing really isn't all that, and guess what? We're not bumping you up to the next season. We're going to look at some new pool of talent, and bring some other people in, and have some retention going.
2: But that's the thing, though, that that we were talking about even on John's show, is that I was like, you're talking about the Rooney Rule? You know, because I know, I know Michelle's been on that for at least six, seven years now, is that um... We saw what happened in the NFL last year. Last year they had, I want to say, three or four, maybe five black coaches. I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And I think three of them got fired. You know, so there you go. It's like, oh, no, we are we were seven and seven. That's not good enough. You know what I mean? So it's like, give us a yeah. chance to fail. Because the next year we might have figured something out. It's like, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, we tried it. You know what I mean? It's really <laughs>
0: Well, see, that, that's a great point because the thing is, look, it's it's it is that yeah, black writers don't get a chance to fail, black yep. filmmakers don't get a chance to fail. Yep. If you're white, you can fail a bunch of you. You can burn money, and, and, and fucking keep working. You and know? get a Marvel movie, the next movie. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, for it, for instance, if really Scott was black. Mm-hmm. he wouldn't have a career mm-hmm. because you know his first movie, The Duelist, did well, got some critical acclaim. His mm-hmm. second movie was was Alien, and he had all sorts of money. Yeah. His next three films fucking bombed. Yep. Blade Runner, fucking Legend, and that and the and the and the one of the film noir, bombed. Mm-hmm. But films, but.
3: They became cult classics.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, but see, but, but, but here's the
3: thing. But yeah, the, I, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, they yeah, first but, went but, out and they bombed, but they continuously, he they, continuously yeah, got yeah, really, work.
0: No, but, but he's just there's certain films that are probably black films that bombed that are also cult classics now. You know, like, you know, they are, t- like, like for black people, you mm-hmm. know, they're classic cinema, but it's just kind of like, it. If I made a movie in '82 and I was black and a bomb the, the, the way Blade Runner is, I'm never getting a chance to do fucking film Thelma Louise like ten years later, right. or, or whatever it was. That's not happening, you know. Right. I, you know, I like I got to be a janitor somewhere because, you, know, you know, because the thing is, if if you get the filmmaker resume, you can't get no job like anywhere else, like almost, you know. True.
4: Sure. So.
0: That's the true. There's, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of shit. There's, all, all, there's so much shit that goes on that's like the double standard. That's the thing, too. It's like like black people inherently know if you want something, you got to work twice as hard. So, therefore, it, it's about you saying, I hear it before about like, oh, if you're black and still a staff writer, well, then what's your experience? It's like, I bet you I worked three times as hard as fucking any other staff writer that you know just to get the <laughs> job and then to stay on staff. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, shit, because, I mean, because for you to remember me as someone black to, you know, stay on your show, I got to be like, you know, the superstar. Yeah. So here, yep. here what, what, our, what, what, our, what would you, our,
3: Oh, go ahead, Lisa. So I was, was going to say, so what would you like to see happen within the next two years? Now this letter has gone out there, it's gotten the response that it does, So you know, so we can wrap up this episode.
2: What, what would you like to see I'm happen in the next two years? <laughs> like which, which but I think that and I think I said this on John and Craig's show too it could start with these few things for me is A and I think, I think I said the same thing y'all need more black friends right for example I was starting to say this and I'll get back to this question in a moment so I almost got in trouble the other night so I was on Facebook did you
3: just, pop, did my, you just, did you just pop your mouth right? my mom <laughs>
2: And a friend of mine, a huge producer, put out a photo of himself and, like, 20 other huge, huge executives in another country showing this photo. Like, wow, here I was two years ago. Like, look at us now. And from the photo, they all look like a bunch of white people. So I said to him, wow, you guys look gorgeous, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but however, in the future, this would look amazing if you added another person to color. Well, I get a DM from another executive who's in the photo who knows me, who was like, Hill, thanks for this, you know, you're right. You know, things need to change, we need to do better. You know how they always talk. And he he says, but, you know, uh, this person and this person in the photo probably wouldn't be happy to know you said that because that person's black and that person's whatever, I forget what it was." was. And I said, so I paused and I went, okay, I have to be really careful how I answer this, right? So I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, okay. And I was like, hey, dude, thanks for education, educating me on that, you know, type of thing. I was like, I said, and I realized that what bothered me about the photo is exactly what you just brought up. There's 20 of you, maybe and 20. It's only 30, like one or two. And there's two of them in there.
3: And I said, think that's
2: enough. <laughs> I said, that's the problem, is that there's always one or two of us in the room, in the group, in the office, or whatever, and so that probably was a trigger for me, you know, when I saw that. And even when you clarified that there were two people of color in there, those two people, and I said, here's something you don't know. Sometimes we pass, <laughs> you know, because I could not tell. Hello. That Hello. That person was black from my, I said, from the angle of the shot. Right. I couldn't tell that person was black and I couldn't tell the other person. was Or, black. or here's the other conundrum
3: where it might not be any black people. They may have so-called people of color, uh-huh. but nobody Black. But right. what they need to understand is a lot of non-Black people of color are pretty much white adjacent. They are pretty much living white lives, to be sure. quite honest. And their experience is not going to be anything right. like a Black person. So even if they say, but we do have people of color in the room, I'm sorry, Boo Boo, that is really not the same
4: <laughs> in <laughs> America.
3: You could have 10 of them be non-black or a person of color, you know, mm. in that room, that is not going. It's not the same thing. And I think that's why you're hearing a lot of black people within the last two or three years mm. who are really emphasizing and separating themselves from people of color because blackness, our experience, is kind of like America in general. There are indigenous people, there are black mm. Americans, and then there are immigrants. We are not immigrants, and a lot of times when they lump us in with people of color, they're lumping us in with the, the immigrant experience, and those are two separate things, and that is not us. Unless you're coming from, uh, if you don't have any ancestors who were born and have ties to slavery in this country, that's a different issue. But in terms of just regular black folk and P of color, that is totally different experience. So I know a lot of people try to be slick. Well, I got blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like when RuPaul got the award, and he was talking about his drag race, and uh, I think it was a sister who asked him a question like, oh, I'm looking at your, <laughs> your staff here, and mm-hmm. I don't see very many uh, people of color, and Rule was like, well, I'm the black person, I check off all the boxes, I'm black, I'm gay, I'm this, and, but that's not the same thing, that's, you know, and he goes, there's a diversity of people up here on stage all white, and it was like, that's not the same thing, dude, so, oh. you know, and well, he was well, trying to, he with him and on,
0: yeah, yeah well here's the thing too though if you're white i'm sorry like if you're one of these white adjacent people of color your parents and probably you have seen the negative images of black people you know and I'm from, probably an anti- anti-black yourself from hollywood mm-hmm. in your home country because you, are, you your parents are probably born, you know, like, like after World War II. So, which means that, that you've been flooded with the, with the message of the anti nigger machine. Yeah. So therefore, you probably
3: don't like black people. Oh, that's that's what my aunt, my Aunt Grace always said that. And so did my stepdad. He's like the first thing that Americans learn to be, make sure they really become American. Is you learn how to say nigga and you know how to separate yourselves from black Americans, that's what truly makes you American. Yeah. And so a lot of people have bought into that bias. So even if you have a writer's room and you're like, oh, I've got Asians, I've got Indians, I've got all these other people and no black people. So we're diverse.
2: No, you're not. Because well, I'm going to... That-
3: that's been my
2: biggest problem with Hollywood right now. Fuck, like, no, you're not. I know that it hasn't been easy for women either, but the problem is, is that this is where we were going: is they put us in this lump that all diversity is black, Latino, women. You know what I mean? LGBT. So, so it's like us against them too. Right. You know what I mean? But all it's right. easier for them. What, what you see on the charts, though, Chris and, and Lisa, is that yes, it's still you know 80% white men. But then the next one is is whatever the percentages of white women, so right, like, yeah, being the next you know rung there, you know what right. I mean. So like that's the problem. So let me answer your question that you Um, about um, what would you say? What can we do going forward? Something like that, or what that? What you said? Who me? Yeah.
3: Oh, I was saying like what what would you like to see happen in the next one or two years?
2: Um, I think that, and I agree with Chris. I would love to see a Rooney rule be, be set in place in some way because that would mean that somebody like Chris, for example, would get an opportunity to show that he could direct some shit. You know what I mean? He, all, you, all he needs is the interview. This is something I always tell my managers. Just give me the interview, and you'll see. I'll, I'll come back with the pitch when I'm done. You know what I mean? Just give me the interview. And so that's, that's, that's the first line that we have to cross, is, is getting into the room where it happens, right? The other thing that I think we need to do is we have to, we have to hire more people of color. And I'm, I'm just generalizing that, but, but for the sake of an argument, I'm gonna say black, right? Yeah. We need more black folks. And, and, and I don't just mean, because Pamela and I have been in many meetings before the RONA happened, where we're sitting at this conference table with five or six executives, and there's one black female sitting there with, she might as well be sitting there taking notes. They brought her in because they knew we were coming in. You know what I mean? They brought in their assistant, their associate, whatever she is, you know, some junior, or whatever. And she's just sitting there taking notes in her head or whatever the hell. And I'm like, does does she get to speak? Right. You know, does she have a voice? That's the other problem. No, that's not what we're asking for. We're right. asking to for, put for people in your positions. Right. You know what I mean? People right. who can green light, not just somebody who can be in the room going, "Hey, yeah, I don't know if we should do that." And then you go, yeah, we're going to do it anyway. That's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody who can hire, somebody who can go, you know what? I love this script so much, I'm moving it forward. As opposed to, I got to go to my three bosses and pitch it to them and see if they're going to get on board and explain to them about the black, you know, culture. And No. I need them to be able to have power. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, that goes with agencies, that goes with executives, that goes with. Um, just everybody in that world that So much things would change just from that Because you and I And I told them this um, You look at the shows that have black showrunners More than likely If they have eight writers Six or seven of them are probably black You know I said it's the same thing with the white shows They have, they have more white friends So they're hiring who they know I said you guys need more, more black friends We have white friends Believe me have trust <laughs> we want to okay stand up with okay we want. you know what I mean mm-hmm. I said I said but you guys are the ones who need to change the system not us you know right right
0: right right no th- see that I mean look that, that's that's the important thing is that who do you know who these mm-hmm. you know it's like if you're white and you start making your money in Hollywood well, then you're moving to Santa Monica or Malibu or the hills. And stuff like that. There's no one black around you?
2: No. no There's mind. no
0: one black around you. There's no space. Except, except for except for me when you see me walking my dog
3: in, in Santa yeah. Monica and I'm hanging out getting my smoothie and be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> but,
2: but I was going to say that um, there also is the... Um, the um, piggybacking off what Chris is talking about, I mean, it's just you, you just deal with so many other things that that we deal with. Um, I was talking about the um, the um, um, hiring more executives, um, having more people of color friends, um, more black friends to keep it keep it black, um, and also in the writers' room. Um, this would this would hire a, this would get a lot of people. To, higher two, in my opinion, is if they simply changed. well, we have an all-white cast, so why do we need a person of color in here? You know, there's nobody here. And right. that's when I, I went through my whole thing with John and Craig on their right. show, and I was like, we live in your world. Right. Okay? To assume that we don't know is ridiculous. Now, have any of us lived on some Amish town? Maybe not. But if we're in a city if we're in an urban area, if we're in a, you know, even wealthier, we know those people. Mm -hmm. You know what I
3: mean? We we may even have a little insight because we have to deal with all kinds of different people. We may have some insight and some stuff about yourself, about you guys, that you probably wouldn't have, have even considered Right. Because you're living yeah, well, in such a homogenous space, where somebody could be like, "Have you guys noticed this? What I've never noticed that. That yeah. seems like something interesting we can add to the plot line. Let's yeah. do that. You know, that kind of thing. You know." Well,
0: well, there's this thing too that there's this thing too that I realize: white people of a certain economics, like there's so much more stratification, and like these lines of like don't cross,
4: mm-hmm. if
0: with white people with money than black people with money. Because oh. you know, because white people with money, there's there's other whites who who just who who are poor, who we afraid to talk to them. Right? They're like, hey, I can't right. cross that line. Right. Look, black people, you can be, you know, got no money, be on food stamps, and see Oprah and go talk to her, and she'll probably talk to you for a second. You know, because mm-hmm. that's how black people are. It's it, like there's less of that, like. Hold on, you know, you know, don't step to me. But the person who has on food stamps is not afraid to go talk to Oprah.
2: Well, here's yeah. the interesting thing: I was just talking to some writers about this the other day. <clears throat> about and I'm I'm probably gonna get some slack from this, but you you know how I am. Um, is that, you know, you kind of can't, you know, you hear you hear poor white people say, you know, well they understand the same experience that we have because they're poor too or whatever, but. If they did, they could do one adjustment. They could make them, they could change their class immediately. For example, let's just, I'm using stereotypes just for the sake of an argument. If you were a redneck person, right, living in a trailer, let's just say with a mullet, right? And, and where you live, you guys are on the bottom, right? But uptown in Nashville, for example, you go downtown, I'm just spitballing here. Um, is where all the wealthy people live in whatever neighborhood, you might get messed with because you're from the bottom. But all you have to do is cut the mullet, change your style, you know, wear something clean, and nobody would even look at you. You see right. what I mean? There is a difference between what you can do and what you can't do. right? So I had this same argument back when I was on the LGBT committee when we just called the gay committee about is being LGBT really, well, particularly gay, um, really diverse and the reason why and I don't know if i talked about this on the show before this is just my opinion by the way I'll get some slack for this too but I don't care is um, here's why <clears throat> and I said this we were, we were upstairs on the fourth floor at the Writers Guild and we were having our meetings around the big table and <clears throat> they always have a stack of those written by magazines and on the cover was like four or five white showrunners right and I said, here I uh, went and grabbed one. I said, let's look at this right here. We have six, there were five or six white showrunners. I said, this could be, now mind you, it was just me, the only person of color in the room, by the way. Right? I said, this could be any of you guys in this photo and nobody would know you were gay unless you guys were like doing a sissy move or something. Right, right, you right. I mean? That's the difference. Mm-hmm. So where is that really diverse for me? It's by your choice. Right. Right? and I don't mean choice in sex. I mean right. choice in, in telling people if you're gay or not. Right, right? that's right. it. I have no choice in yeah, the, the moment you walk in the room, hello, that's there. Right. there it is. You know? right. so I was trying to explain to them that I'm not always 100 percent sure. Now this is with you know white cis gay man, by the way. You know what I mean? Um, I'm saying I'm speaking to them. You know, not the rest of them. Um, not the trans, not anybody. I'm, those people I think are right. diverse for sure. Right. Um, so so it was a fascinating conversation. And it turned to be it wasn't really an argument, but it was a debate. You know, because they were arguing, you know, well, you know, I should be able to walk around and, and, and hold my husband's hand and all this stuff, and it's like, Hey, you can do all that. It's got nothing to do with the fact that you can choose to not do that at all and nobody would know you again. Right. By a shift. Right. You know, and that's what I'm saying. You still can't compare to what I'm talking about. Right. Despite you want to feel that because you know what it feels like to be dis- discriminated against for being gay. Right. You know? No, you're discriminated for being openly gay.
0: Uh, here's the thing, too. Right. Hey, look, 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 here's the thing, too. If you're five and you're gay, you probably know you're gay, and but you're not going to show off these type of, like, the, the, the sexuality things that people get, you know, that people, you know, like, get upset about. If you're black and you're five, you're Tamir Rice and you get shot and you get 16 bullets in your face. Right. You know, there's that difference. <laughs> you know, sure. hey, mm-hmm. I can shoot you and kill you at five. Right. you're black. Right. But right. If you're at five and you're gay, well, I don't know anything about, like, the stuff that's going on in your head and, you, and, 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 and you'd be playing with people and it'd be nothing. You know, that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's what it is. Mm. You know, you, right. you, I mean, and, you know, and a
2: five year old is threatening nobody, right? At any level, right, right. I mean, and and mind that's mind. why we said in the in the in the in the thing, you know, in the, in the letter, you know, we need we need a revolution, you know, in the way that we hire industry and the industry hires the writers, you know. What I mean, I think that's really 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 important, you know. And I think that just changing the fact that your whole cast is white and assuming that because of that you don't need a black writer you know male or female is would change the tone because Mm -hmm. we still see every year in 2020 you know leading up to now still there are shows with a completely all-white cast now like i said if you're not in a place where it could be that and there's nobody else Uh all three of us agree if we're not there we're not there and if your show is good, I'm watching it. <laughs> hey, no problem with that. You know what I mean? But but if it's in a world where there's no way they don't come across us, I don't buy it at all. The the right. entire right. cast is whatever. That, that that's where I that, and that's,
3: no, that's yeah, where it, I'm it, gonna it, decide on. you like, mm, who wrote it, this? It,
2: no, but 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 for
0: me, for me, that's still I'm I'm still gonna push back on that because I might know a whole lot of shit about the Vikings
2: I might know a lot of shit
3: about
0: the
2: Vikings. I might mm-hmm. have written a book about the Vikings, even though I'm black. I should be able to write on one of those shows. Oh point. my God. That's a good point. But but that goes back to the Rooney rule and I would have figured that out though. Yeah.
3: Ooh, right. ooh, if I could have wrote on Vikings for the for the the history channel, yeah. but what's his name writes most of those episodes anyway. So that that the guy who created, he does most of the writing on it. But oh my god, if I could have written shit for Ragnar. And go in and dupe child, please. i will be adding some layers in there because I know that shit. You know, yeah, yeah. That's, but, my, I mean, that's my I mean, show. I, mean, that. And I am, I mean, and I'm the furthest away from being a Viking. Exactly. That's <laughs> so what I'm
0: talking about. I'm talking I'm, about. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I think that show Marco Polo had. Oh, I, a, I think there was a black character in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anyone black on staff. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. If, I, I'm not sure if there's anyone black who is writing that black. Uh, samurai film. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's, you know, it's, at, the last time I looked, there wasn't. The last time I looked, there wasn't anyone black who was writing that story about the, the, the about uh, the black count, the, the whatever the thing about, um, um Alexander Dumas. There,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Like, like, there's no one black who's writing on that. There mm. should be.
2: Yeah. Oh, one more thing just occurred to me that they could do. They can, They can get rid of the, you have to have a degree to be an assistant. Yeah. I, th- I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I'll get somebody organized. And, and it's been the kids today, the way they know computers and, 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 and phones. Multi tech, mo-
3: and, and knowing how to maneuver some things, but you're going to go with somebody with a degree who's probably gone somewhere mm-hmm. where it's homogenous and they're like, oh, what am I doing? Where you can get somebody's like, look, I know somebody who can do that. You know, you would just open up. And that was funny because that, you've mentioned that. Uh, there was something else that the government was talking about doing where they were saying for certain jobs, mm-hmm. get rid of the degree category. Oh, really? free at people, I can't remember what industry it was, but they were saying if people just get rid of that whole degree thing, because now they need people and it's like they're not getting the type of quality people they want. Mm-hmm. They're like, get rid of the degree, because that opens up so many talented people, you know, and having a degree, like you can't just look at it as people not being able, not being smart enough to get one. You got to look at economics now. Mm-hmm. Shit is too expensive and... You know, a lot of people have like things that occur that they can't finish school. So you're penalizing a lot of talented people because you've got this antiquated notion that a person with a university degree and clearly people with university degrees ain't really shit. When you got Trump and all these other people, government officials, with all these Harvard and all these big, you know, business school, and they still shit. So a degree don't mean nothing. Personally, to me, it doesn't mean anything. And degrees wear off as far as I'm concerned. So whatever you learned so many years ago, and you're not keeping up with trends, or, or educating yourself, or taking classes, or keeping up with your human education. That's it, why they yeah, should. It yeah, don't but, mean shit.
0: But, but, yeah, but that's why, like, if you're an attorney or a doctor, you have to take those continuing education classes. Right. You keep that shit. Yeah, but there's no one was telling you. To, there's no one telling you to, to take your continuing history class or your, or your, you know, your comparative lit class from ten years ago so you can keep writing. It's bullshit mm-hmm. because. Like you said, these motherfuckers like Trump have degrees. I mean, the the, 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 you know, they they play that game because they themselves have been tricked by the concept of the meritocracy. Exactly. But I say all the time, if Harvard was a true merit, I was saying this last time when Richard was on. If Harvard was a true meritocracy, they wouldn't have any fucking spots for alumni children. Right. Just, just, mm-hmm. just earmark for this age. Right. We're gonna do this. No, you got,
3: you got to compete with everybody else. Get, get, yeah. get, get back there. So, what I was gonna say to you hear your uh, one last thing, and we close out. Oh, what was I gonna ask you? Hey Lisa, do you have the letter in front of you? Damn it! Uh, I did have it up.
0: I do.
2: Yes, I'm looking at it now. I'm gonna re- Ask you to read that last two paragraphs. It starts with Hollywood. What you do next is Paramount.
0: Okay.
3: So, I'm going to read that, so, and this is from the letter, Dear Hollywood, and I quote, Hollywood, what you do next is paramount. As the most powerful entertainment industry in the world, we challenge you, the powers that be, those individuals with unmistakable privilege, the elite executives who gave the okay on those statements, to begin instituting real systemic change. Basically, Either you commit to a new institutionalized system of accountability with and to black reader, writers, or you prove that you're putting on just a, another strategic virtue signaling performance deemed necessary to survive the times. That's cold, y'all. Hmm. That was quote. Oh, that's I'm cold. Supporters. But but you yeah, but she's one of some supporters. Okay. <laughs> and, and I continue, and I continue on with the quote. But you won't be able to survive without the radical conclusion of black writers and artists on your sets and in your studios. We, the committee of black writers of the Writers Guild West, are willing to do our part to continue to bring diverse, dynamic, and authentic storytelling to the rest of the world. We need you, us, and you will need us. You know where to find us, (laughs) have your people call our people, in solidarity and power, Michelle Moore, co-chair, WGA West Committee of Black Writers. So your guest co-chair, WGA Committee of Black Writers. And Bianca Sams, vice chair, WGA, W Committee of Black Writers.
2: So So I wanted you to read that last paragraph or two because they kind of summed everything up a little bit there. What we're looking for, we're expecting. And here we are, you know, uh, three weeks later. We've heard from a lot of a lot of showrunners who reached out to us saying thank you, that's beautiful, et cetera, et cetera. Um, have we had any meetings with any of those studios? we something we announced? No, no, no. You know what I mean? So
3: people, people are shook. Listen, listen. People right now, mm-hmm. even if they don't recognize it, people are traumatized. There's so much happening right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh my God, Kanye just announced that he's running for president. So Jesus Christ murder hornets, earthquakes, tsunamis, pandemics, all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's just so much happening. And I think there's so much that people have to process that, and I'm not trying to excuse them because they should be doing better anyway, but I just think there's just so much that people are just trying to figure out how the new world is gonna look. But at the same time, that's, that's, that's pretty exciting also. But it's like we said, you can't just talk to talk. You got to walk to walk. And if three weeks have passed and, you know, I don't know, maybe I can I can just assume that people are still processing and trying to figure out some ways to do things and they'll come up with something. I mean, I would be hopeful, but I, I, I think we're going to have to wait like a year and see what happens a year from now to see if if people are really serious. And if they're not, there might have to be a letter part, too. Mm-hmm. It might have to be okay. Well, this is what was said. This is what we got back in terms right. of feedback mm-hmm. And just keep putting that neck yeah. put that foot on their neck And can I make a suggestion for the writer's guild hilliard? You, know, you know the with the the writers group what do you call it the longevity group. What is it the longevity committee? Yeah. Career longevity Yeah, they y'all need to just change that to grown-ass just just change yeah. that the new the new group is called grown-ass and uh because I'm thinking, like, the longevity group is like, we got we to gotta sexify that. We got to make that grown sexier, writer got ass ass Writers way. The Grown-Ass Writers Committee.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. The grown yeah. Committee. You know, like, you got to sexy that up a little bit, you know.
2: Agree, but that's, that's not me, you know, but, <laughs> you know. But that's a committee that probably has absolutely no black people on it, by the okay. way. Okay, okay. So, so it's not hip enough. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's what's I Well, thank you, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. now, uh, talk about it. the link will be in the show notes if you guys haven't seen it for sure. What are you at, Chris Garrett? <clears throat> uh, unauthorized
0: CBD on Twitter and Instagram. That's where I am.
2: Yes, sir. Lisa Lisa Colt Jam.
0: I am on Twitter
3: at What Fresh Hell Is This? And on the sixteenth of this month. Um, I will be doing a Zoom chat for the Clarion Foundation. Um, they're having a series of, of talks that you can you can join in and watch and listen to us uh, talk about things. Um, my brother from another mother, Sam Miller, was on one a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And a couple of people I know um, were just on, I think the one that comes up the week before mine is on the queer, queer writers of science mm-hmm. fiction and fantasy. And then on the 16th, um i will be on there talking about octavid butler and also writers of color that have gone through the clarion and those of us writers of colors who write science fiction and fantasy and all that good stuff
0: wait wait, wait. so i'm, I'm, I'm gonna put, uh, this show, put this in the show notes so,
3: so, I'll, so, so I'll tweet it I'll, re- I'll, t- I'll retweet it on the okay. tweet but yeah, but it's basically the cleaner. I think i tweeted it already, but I'll, I'll tweet it out again. But it's on the 16th. And can you tag us in it so that we make sure we yes, get it? Yes, I, I will tag that. Yes, let me go on that oh, right now.
2: Cool. Um, and I am your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. Um, you can find me on Instagram, same thing. Also on Twitter, you can follow the show, Screenwriters are on Twitter. Any questions, ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify, Google Play, whatever you guys listen to. Um, um, follow us there. Um, subscribe and all that other stuff. And also, what else, Chris?
0: You can support the Patreon page. There'll be a link in the show notes. There'll be a link on the website, which is screenwritersrr.com. So you can, you know, help us keep the bills going, help us just post shit more often. And if you got questions to ask or, or anything, you then about re- diverse representation is a link on there uh, to that site that's run by Gia Thomas. Um, you know, there's just there's a there's an increasing wealth of information on the website. Screenwriters are t-shirts,
2: mugs, t-shirts, mugs. Yeah, all sorts of shit. Okay. Yeah. By the way, I ordered your t-shirt, Lisa. Yay. Well, this is one little, we had a little issue with the corona stuff, so but it'll, it'll be here soon. Yeah, I'm
3: excited.
2: Right. Um, so anyway, thank you guys. Y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room on this show. We keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody. It, it is what it is. What it is. Peace, y'all.
1: I'm going to say what I feel. So you wanna be a rider, Well you gotta be a writer till your fears are diminishing and the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the benders got me stressed in the rant room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca sass in class. Yes, the Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to hillier He gon' bring more no game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel. Say what you want.